You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. So, we're glad you're here tonight. This is the, the final installment of our series, and uh, looking forward to uh, what we're going to share tonight. Before we do, I want to go to the Lord in prayer, ask the Lord to strengthen us tonight, speak to us through his word. We also want to remember uh, Anthony Mitchell tonight, and uh, we continue to pray for his strength. Uh, every service, that the Lord would continue to touch his body. Is there anybody here tonight that you have a need in your life, and you want to just raise your hand tonight as a sign of faith? All right, I want you to hold it up high. We want to pray for you tonight. Pray God's strength and God's touch in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to be together. Thank you, God, that we can gather, God, among your people to be strengthened not only by your word but by the fellowship of each other. We thank you, God, for what you're doing among us, the services, Lord, the impact that you are having on our lives every time we gather on the weekend and on Wednesday nights, Lord, and in our private time with you. I pray, God, tonight that you would touch, you would strengthen. Lord, those who need a physical healing, I pray that you would meet their need. You would strengthen them, touch them in their body tonight. I pray for those, God, who need an answer, that you, God, would bring wisdom to their life. Those who, God, need just a, a, a special grace. They, maybe they're walking through a difficult time. I pray that you would strengthen them tonight. God, we know that your grace is sufficient for difficult times. We pray, God, for Anthony Mitchell tonight. We lift him up to you. We pray for his strength and his body and his mind, his spirit, Lord. Continue to give him the help and the strength that he needs, God, to just uh, continue to make improvements. We thank you, God, for this gathering. We thank you for your spirit that just strengthens us every time we meet, Lord. We are looking forward to what your word is going to speak to us tonight. Let our hearts be open. Let our minds be open to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. amen. Well, it is a great, great day to be at the Calvary Church. And this summer is going to be fantastic. We've got, as I mentioned Sunday, some great things lined up. So, so just be watching for those if you uh, are not... If you don't love email, we try to send an email out, I think, every Monday that outlines what's going on. But if you don't love emails, uh, we do have um, a service guide every Sunday morning that has information in it. We encourage you to pick one of those up so you know what is going on and know what you can invite people to be a part of. It's great this summer to have some additional help. It's always good to have extra help. In a time when so many are looking for employees, the Calvary Church has got some great help this summer. And uh, we have some students from Bible colleges that are with us. And great to have our home folk, Jenna Tokash and Natasha Brito. <laughs> Natasha's with us. They are, uh, you're going to see them working around here and just helping out. And I appreciate their willingness to help us. And from Appleton, Wisconsin, via Urshan College, we have Braylon Soto with us this summer. And uh, we're glad that she is here with us. She got in on Monday, and uh, so she'll be here as well. And if you don't know, let me give you a little shout-out. And, and Julie McGahey is here. We always love Sister Julie. That's right. 
from Costa Rica, and I was just getting ready to mention a missionary. If you do not know, we're excited. I think tomorrow, Trisha Ball is flying in, and she'll be here for a year. She's going to be with us for a year. So we are excited about that. She'll be teaching in our school, and uh, then her plan is to go back to Japan uh, about this time next year. So uh, we are excited to have just some great help on site this summer, and uh, so hopefully you'll get to see Trisha on Sunday, and that'll be, that'll be great. All right. I don't know if I'm going to make up any time. I, I wish I could say that, but I, I think I have a shot at it. I've taken uh, quite a bit of time over the last number of weeks overtime, and uh, Kristen isn't here to give me back some time, um, so I've got to wrap this up tonight and give you all back some time. We're concluding our series that we began, a four-week series called I Am a Member, and say it with me, TCC is a great place to attend, but it's a, it's a way better place to belong, and so we have a, a membership process here, a membership code, secret handshakes, secret things that we say, and we want everyone to be a member at the Calvary Church. But what we understood through this series is we weren't talking about just some kind of card or some kind of uh, uh, thing that you pay to get you into a store that you're going to spend a lot more money than the membership cost you, and you, you could save money going other places, but we won't talk about Sam's Club and Costco and all those places. But the membership that we are talking about is more than a golf club, or uh, as Clinton's walking in, more than Jeff Ruby's. He's been our example of Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse. He has a membership to Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse, and uh, we found that out week one. So if you want to talk to somebody after service, uh, Clinton would be a great person. Thanks, Clinton, for walking in on that one. But uh, we have for you, after you leave today, we have a membership card for you. And it's our card that has our church information, because to us, membership is more than just a card. It's something that gives you access to a building. Membership to us is a connection. It's a connection to one another. And we uh, found this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we really looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. That each of us make up an important part of what God does through us collectively. That we are meant, when Paul talks about membership, he talks about it as it pertains to a member. Somebody who is connected to the body. And that's an important distinction for us, and it's the framework for our series that we uh, have been doing. And I, I hope, and I, my goal is for you to say tonight that you are a member, you want to be a member. Not a member because your name's on our roster, but a person who is connected to what God is doing in this church and through this church at a high level. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So why do we need membership? Two things we told you. We need membership to live spiritually. It's impossible for my hand to live without being connected to the body. I have to be connected to the rest of the body for 
a member of the body to live. And so for us to live spiritually, it's illogical for us to think that we can survive spiritually without being connected to one another. And certainly, the body does not function without being connected to one another. I can't really do what I'm supposed to do without being connected to you. And so we need a local congregation. We need to be connected to a local expression of God's body. We talked about a few weeks ago, ago about how in scripture and anytime the word church is used it means except for I think one instance it means a local expression a local body and so uh, we we encourage you to be connected to a local congregation and if you're not connected to one and you want to be connected to one the Calvary Church is a great church to be connected to everyone said amen that's connected help us all right During this series, uh, we've considered a few questions about our membership, those who are members here. What should members know at the Calvary Church? What should we know? So first thing that members should know at the Calvary Church is our mission. What what are we trying to accomplish? So our mission is, and as they put it on the screen, the Calvary Church exists to help people find a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and to live out his purposes. Simplified in two words is to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. What do members do at the Calvary Church? So members at the Calvary Church know how to bless people. That's what I hope that we do. We bless those around us. How do we do that? We use it as an acronym here. It means to belong locally. So through our life groups, through community events, different things, we belong, we stay connected. We learn truth. So you're sitting in Growth University tonight, assimilation classes that are going on, those kind of things. We seek to learn truth. The the third thing is experience transformation. We believe in the power and presence of God. So our Sunday morning services, our prayer meetings, those kind of things, the goal of that is so we can experience the transformation, uh, transformational power of God. And then finally, we say that we should share light and that we should serve others. And so members at the Calvary Church are meant to and should be blessing other people with their life. Now, week number one, we gave you an evaluation. We had you evaluate your membership here at the Calvary Church. And if you did not have an opportunity to do that, you'd like to do that, I know that Teresa Prophet has copies of that membership evaluation. I will tell you it's slightly painful. The second thing is that we are guided on this mission by core values. And so in lesson two, we discuss these values, and I won't go into depth, but our five guiding values for the Calvary Church are, number one, we value the will of God at any cost. We value the will of God at any cost. Number two, we value the Bible as the supreme authority. It's the supreme authority by which we measure everything that we do. Number three, we value an inclusive, compassionate community expressed by diversity. Number four, we value relevance pursued with excellence. And we value, number five, stewardship embodied in generosity. Now, I taught on these five things in lesson two, so if you want to hear that expanded, you can listen to lesson two. But after that lesson, we gave an evaluation of how you 
connect to the guiding values. And so you can also get that tonight if you didn't have a chance to look at that. You can see how you uh, uh, fall in uh, participating in and pushing towards these guiding values. Last week, lesson three, Pastor Anthony spoke about serving others. And what we hope to get across to all of us through this series is that our membership matters to others, and it matters to us. It matters to my spiritual well-being, and it matters to those around me. And Pastor Anthony spoke about the importance of serving others, specifically two main ways that we serve others. Number one, through generosity in our giving. We bless those around us. We serve God's mission locally, and we serve God's mission globally. And then we serve others by serving on ministry teams. And he outlined in a beautiful way all the ways that serving on a ministry team impacts what's happening with the vision. Tonight I want to conclude our series with another way our membership uh, matters. And very simply, I want us to remind us and challenge us to share light. Now, again, you hear us say that all the time. We talk about that in our blessed model. But I want to just dive into this a little bit and, and hopefully uh, maybe encourage us, challenge us uh, in some way to really share our light with others. I hope you're sitting next to somebody you like. If not, find somebody... Because it's coming, at times, at times coming. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 8. For you were once in darkness, does anybody relate? But now you are light in the Lord. But now you are light in the Lord. So if you're light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That this light is fruit. It comes out of us and it should impact other people. Finding what is acceptable to the Lord. Darkness is not just the opposite of light, but darkness is the absence of light. Darkness cannot exist where light is. They don't battle. Light and darkness do not battle. Darkness always loses against light. Every time. And so it's important for us to walk in the light. The only way darkness wins in your, light, in your life is if you turn off the light. And so we walk in the light. John said of Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Never has it overcome light. We know this passage, 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'd love to just preach on that today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward. But we know all of us have experienced the wonder of light in our life. That wonder, that experience where God illuminates our mind or, 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 or brings healing and hope in our lives where there was darkness. He has called us out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. So the passage tells us to proclaim the praises of him who's called us out of darkness. And so because we're called out of darkness, we're called to proclaim praises, we're called to share light. Your praise of God is the way by which you carry light to others. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So I want to give you five ways to proclaim praises, five ways to share light. Number one is to live a life of good works. You don't even have to say anything sometimes to share light. You just live a life of good works, serving others. Your life of holiness, a life separated to God. Because people will see Christ in you. And this is the first testimony that many people will see. It's, it's how you conduct your life, how, how you serve others. You live a life of good works, how you care for others. That's a way that you can share life. Number two, you can praise God in church services. That's a way for you to share light. We're gathered together here, and there's an incredible power that comes to praising God together. Your praise in a service is a great testimony to those who may be believers or unbelievers in a given service that, hey, that person actually believes what they say they believe in their praise. I had somebody recently, I was talking to them, and, and they didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church, but they, were, they, they came in and they, they, they loved the Pentecostal experience because of the praise that people give. It's authentic. It's not hype. Hopefully it's not hype, but genuine praise testifies to what God has done in your life. And so we pray together out loud because the Bible says in Acts 4.24, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. They lifted up their voices together. The Bible tells us there's power in doing that, so we do that. We testify publicly uh, and, and we declare him through our our voices in the midst of the assembly in Psalm 22, 22, it says, I will praise you. So in the, in the midst of the assembly, when we're gathered together, we lift up our voices together. In Psalm 98, 4, we sing with all our hearts because it says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises to God. And so singing is a part of our experience Thankfully, you guys so far have not had the opportunity to, to hear me sing over there. It's something. If I could get the words right, even though they're on the screen, I'm always deathly afraid that this thing is on while worship service is going on. But there's something about singing, something about lifting God up. It testifies we lift our hands because the scripture tells us to lift up our hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord together. We play musical instruments because the Bible instructs us to. We clap and we shout because the Bible tells us to clap, our, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God with the voice of triumph. We dance 
in church. Some, are, it's dancing, you, it's a type of dance, right? It's some kind of body movement, we'll say. All right? But it tells us in Psalm 150 to praise him with the timbrel and the dance, to praise him with stringed instruments and, and flutes and, and organs and those kind of things. They, the, the King James says it right. It says organs, flutes, whatever. Um, I'm just kidding. It, it does. The King James is right there. It's the organ. It's the B3 organ that we're supposed to <laughs> use. I don't know why the new King James says flutes. We don't play flutes in church. I'm sorry. No, I'm teasing. But we share, we share light when we worship. And I, I can tell you in my own personal life, I don't know about you, I, I don't watch people for the sake of just watching to see, you're like, are you really saved? Are you going to praise God? I don't watch people, but I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged when I see people praise God. When I see these young people lift up their hands and praise God, and I don't have any children in here tonight. When I see my children lift up their hands, I know they're heathens. I know they're not right with God. We get it. But it testifies that they're trying. And I'm telling you, your praise and your worship in a public setting is powerful. It's powerful to those sitting in the room, and it testifies to God's goodness in your life. Hebrews chapter 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Your praise blesses other people. Certainly it's between you and God, but it impacts the atmosphere when you praise God. So your praise and your worship. The third way that you share light is to pray for someone in public. To pray for someone in public. Now, I've talked about this before. It's, it's been a deal. I'm, I'm, I'm by nature shy or an introvert in some ways. Uh, but I, I, it's, it's been over probably a decade or so where I, I've just pushed myself outside of what would come natural to me in those kind of things. Because people will tell you, maybe somebody texts you or somebody calls you or somebody says something to you, hey, I'm going through something, would you pray for me? And it's easy to say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And I hope that you sincerely pray for them. I hope that it's just not something you write. I hope that you verbalize something to the Lord on their behalf. But there's a power in actually praying for somebody when they ask, wherever they are, in the job or in a, in a school setting or just in public. There's a, there's a power in actually praying for somebody, and, and it, it, is, it is a light. It brings glory to God when you verbalize things to God in front of somebody on their behalf. It's a very powerful moment. And I hope that you'll challenge yourself with that. And, and let me just add a, a, a secondary level to that. In this building, in this building, people want prayed for. A lot of people want. Not everybody. Not everybody wants you to touch them. But there are people who come to this building on a Sunday or a Wednesday or some other time where they want prayer. They want specific prayer. And, they, and, and a lot of times we kind of relegate it to hopefully 
you know, they'll come up to the front and hopefully a, a, a licensed minister will pray for them. And I, I, I get that, I understand that mentality, and I'm being a little bit facetious about the licensed minister thing, but I, I, I think that it would do all of us well to come to church expecting to pray for somebody testifying to what God has done in our life, to share if he's really brought us out of darkness, if he's really done that, why wouldn't I offer that? Because I can almost guarantee, I won't put it, 99.9% of germs are killed. What, what, there's that point, whatever. There's probably an example. But I could almost guarantee that you're here today, you had an experience with God because somebody prayed for you. Somebody actually prayed for you. Maybe not the first time, but at some point, somebody prayed for you, and it meant something to you. And so I encourage you to pray for people in public. It's terrifying. It can be terrifying to walk up to somebody and, and, or, or for somebody to say, I, uh, you know, that they have a need, and you say, well, let's pray. Can I pray for you uh, now? And, and it's terrifying because then you have to, it's like I have to come up with words right? But let me give you a little, let me give you a, a little um, hack to this. If you'll pray in private for people, it'll help you pray in public for people. Amen. Amen. If, you, if you'll verbalize prayers for people in this congregation, you'll learn to pray for people publicly because it's pretty much the same thing. Amen. And so the, the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Our gatherings are meant to be moments where the Spirit works among us because I need you. I need your prayers. You need my prayers. We need each other praying for one another. And we certainly believe in the gifts, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Those nine gifts, the, the working of miracles, the, the faith and word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of that should be working every time we gather together. But I, I really challenge you to pray for people in public. Pray for people in public. And you can practice here. Practice here. And if you feel led to pray for somebody and you're not sure they want you to pray for them, it's just a simple question. Do you mind if I pray for you? Amen. All right, another way to share life, and we're, we're, that was the light stuff. The next, the fourth way to share life is to give a personal testimony to someone. Testimonies are powerful. The Bible's full of them. David said in Psalm 66, 16, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I'll declare what he's done for my soul. The woman at the well, John 4, 39, Many Samaritans of the city believed in him because the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. All she did was tell her experience of what God did for her, and many believed. The blind man, in John 9, 25, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, and he's talking about Jesus, that though I was blind, now I see. I, I don't know how it all happened theologically. I can't explain it. But all I know is at one point I was blind. At one point I was in darkness. 
and now I see. Now I have hope. Now I have light. And so, Peter and John in Acts 4.20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So that's what we're called to, to be willing to share our personal testimony. For sake of time, you can look at Psalm 96 and Psalm 105. But I, I want to give you just a quick model. We use it in assimilation, but I want to revisit it for tonight. How do you give a testimony? How do you share with somebody what God's done for you? So three key words, before, how, now. Everyone say that, before, how, now. Before, what was your life, life like before you turned to God or before whatever happened? What common circumstances would an unbeliever identify with? What were attitudes that maybe you had that you recognized that sometimes unbelievers had? What was it like before? And then how? How did you realize something needed to change? How, how did that happen for you? What significant steps led to maybe your conversion or what Needs or hurts or problems did you have that changed the perspective that you had? How did God get your attention? And then there's two parts to how. How did God get your attention? And then how did you come to believe and experience God? So how was it? How did that happen? What specifically happened? Did, was there a prayer that you prayed? Can you track back to some words that you said or where it, where it came from or what was repentance like for you or what was that moment of baptism like for you? What was it like to receive the Holy Spirit? How, how did that prayer look for you? Did it, did it happen immediately or did it happen along over many, many services as you processed what God was trying to do? How, how did you come to experience God? And then now. Now, what, what is different about your life because of what has happened? What is different about your life? How has Jesus changed things in your life? Has it helped any in your relationships? Has it affected your relationships? Sometimes we use the word help, meaning it affected them in some way. But what, is, what, what changed in your life? Now, what? So, before, how and now. And, you know, for those who maybe were a child in, in church and maybe you walked away or you never really grew your roots, giving examples of that, helping people understand, you know, your story and that. Those of you who grew up in church and you never really walked away from God, there are some amazing things that you can share in regards to why that is a powerful testimony. Because most people who come to God and have children don't want their kids to walk away. Even if they themselves have, have came into the church later in life, they realize there's, there's something uh, important about staying in the church. And, and, and there's uh, uh, things that benefit you when you stay in the church. And so being able to explain that. And one, I've used this example before, but uh, I, several years ago I, I went to a prison in uh, central Ohio uh, to minister there. And um, actually, in a couple of jails, I've, I've done this. And going there, I grew up in church. My dad started a church when I was three. And 
I'm not perfect by any means, but I stayed in church my, my whole life. I graduated high school at 17, went to Bible school at 17, and, and I, that's kind of been the trajectory of my, my life. And so walking into a prison, how do I relate to people who are in prison? I wasn't in prison, and, and not again, this is not braggadocious in any way, but I, I've not drank alcohol. I've not smoked a cigarette. I've not had any drugs ever other than ibuprofen and whatever. And when I got my wisdom teeth out, I was out of my mind. My body was like, what? <laughs> but, but I say that because I'm standing in front of people who are incarcerated that it, it's illogical. I can't relate. But what I could relate and I shared this is what I said on Sunday about my grandfather. My grandfather was put in prison. My grandfather was put in prison in Marion, Illinois, federal prison, racketeering. But today, his grandchildren are serving God because he got his life right. And so that's my testimony that I, I might not personally be able to relate to that, but I'm the beneficiary of the incarcerated one. I'm the beneficiary of the one who said, I'll change my life so that it impacts the next generation and the next generation. And so you may not perfectly mirror everybody's story, but I guarantee you there's things in your life that you can connect with a lot more people than you realize, and your story is very powerful. And I pray that God opens doors for you. I believe he's going to. You have to be willing, though, to share. You have to be willing to share light with others. And if you're not looking for open doors, you won't find them. If you're going through work and you're not thinking about God and you're not thinking about people and you're not thinking about sharing the gospel, most likely it's not going to slap you in the forehead. But if you're praying that morning and you're asking God, lead me to somebody who's hungry for you, lead me, you'll be more sensitive. I guarantee you, you'll be more sensitive to hearing the things in people's lives that you can connect with, that you can provide help to. And again, when we talk about sharing our testimony, it's not always just sharing Acts 2.38, my experience of Acts 2.38. It's sharing a testimony of something God has done as it relates to where they are, where they are in the moment. And, and I, I hope that you will just be sensitive to that because I, I know that the Lord wants to use us in this city in a great way. We have incredible stories of deliverance and healing and the power of God, and, and I, I believe that for us. Finally, we'll dig one level deeper. Last way that we share light is to teach a personal Bible study. So, I don't know what the percentage is, People, I just, like, okay, well, number four was pretty good. But one of the best ways to help people grow in their relationship with God and to live out his purpose is to take some time one-on-one -on -one with them and share with them what the Scripture says. So why should we teach Bible studies? Teaching Bible studies is the most Biblical way, I believe, to disciple someone. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. 
house to house. It was very personal. And teaching a Bible study allows for questions. That's probably one of the most important things. It allows for questions. It allows for a safe place for them to ask questions, for them to express doubts, for them to express fears or or, uh, maybe contradictions that they think. It, It gives them that opportunity. And it allows for growth at a healthy pace. It allows them to grow at a healthy pace. And I will tell you that it allows the teacher to grow. It allows you to grow in your faith. It allows me to grow in my faith. So who can teach Bible studies? Yeah, I'll say it. Every Holy Spirit-filled believer can teach a Bible study. They can. They really can. And Acts chapter 1 says that we receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon us to what? To be witnesses. And every believer can share something an unbeliever doesn't know about the Word of God. Every believer can share something that an unbeliever does not know about the Word of God. So let's talk quickly about excuses. Three, three myths about personal Bible studies. Number one is it's the pastor's job. It's the minister's job. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love, which every part does its share. And you have, and I have an opportunity to share light through teaching personal Bible studies. So the myth number two is, I don't know enough about the Bible. Let me say this. You know more about the Bible than you realize, and you know more about the Bible than most people know about the Bible. You come to Growth University, you know a lot about the Bible. We systematically go through it. Now, you may not be able to recall it right away, but you, you know more. I guarantee you, you know more than you realize. And so use the assimilation notes. Use the Bible study notes. And for Nathan's sake, attend Purpose Institute. If you want to know more about the Bible, attend Purpose Institute. Here's another thing. You could take a personal Bible study yourself. You could do that. Number two under that category, you don't have to know everything. To share with somebody what the Bible says, you don't have to know everything it says. And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm not really sure. Because the terrifying thing about teaching a Bible study is somebody's going to ask a question. That's the whole issue. If you could just teach it and nobody ask a question, great. I, Wellington and I did Bible study years ago, and I was terrified. Wellington was drilling me with question after question, just... And that's the terrifying thing about teaching Bible studies. But you don't have to know everything. And you you don't have to share it all at once. 
you can say that's a good question and let me get back to you and search it out. But you will learn so much by preparing and teaching. You will learn things that you'll never learn just sitting in a Wednesday and Sunday. You'll learn so much about the Word of God. And the other way, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't know enough, have somebody teach it with you. Somebody else who can provide the one-two punch with you. And then the third myth is I don't have time. And that's a very real concern. And I, I can't answer the time question for you. It's between you and God. But you don't have to make Bible studies long. It can be 15 minutes. It can be 30 minutes. It can be 60 minutes. As long as you set the expectation and you determine their level of hunger. It can be one day a week. It could be once every other week. It could be once a month. It could be via Zoom. It could be on the phone driving. It's not one set way to teach, but if you will find somebody who's hungry for God and just share with them the word of God. We've got many great opportunities for you to uh, use, and there's a Bible study that uh, uh, Braylon's uh, church produced years ago called Uncovered. And uh, that's a Bible study we use a lot around here. There's Search for Truth, Exploring God's Word. And tonight you're going to get this on the way out the door. It's called Into His Marvelous Light. It's a one-hour Bible study. Very simple to teach, very simple to walk through the Scriptures. And I could almost guarantee most of you would be able to explain this very easily. And you can break this up into four lessons. It's a one-hour Bible study. But find someone to disciple because you'll never find more joy then when you see someone you've invested in come to know the truth and experience the new birth. And so, um, for sake of time, I'll skip over some things about how uh, you, you can feel confident in, in what you're doing, but realize that you are shaped for a purpose. You're shaped, and we talk about that in Assimilation Ministry 201. We really dive into how God has made you through your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences, and God has positioned you, and you have the right personality, and you have what it takes to share light with other people around you. All right, so our app time tonight is to share your testimony. Share your testimony about something that God has done in your life. I think we've done this before, but probably you're sitting some, next to somebody maybe a little bit different. It can be about salvation. Share your testimony about salvation. Maybe a healing. Maybe a calling in your life or some purpose that God has given you. But I want you to use this before, how, and now model, okay? So I'm going to give you just a couple minutes uh, and... Maybe just try to do it in, try it in 60 seconds or in two minutes to share your testimony.
All right. Well, hopefully you had a chance to share your testimony with somebody. I enjoyed talking to Sarah, and uh, her, her baptism story is second to none. It's, it's an amazing story, and uh, I thank God for the testimony of her life. I want you to stand with me tonight. <clears throat> I hope that you leave tonight realizing that your life was meant to bless other people. When God's Spirit comes on us, it's the most precious thing that He could give us, the most valuable thing He could entrust to us. And sometimes we don't feel worthy, we come to church, we feel discouraged or whatever, but God's Spirit is given to us because God believes that much in you that He could use your life to impact other people, whether it's living out your life to the glory of God, just living in a way that allows people to see light, or if it's praising God in a service, or it's praying for somebody in public, or sharing your testimony, or hopefully teaching a Bible study to somebody. You have a lot more to give this world than sometimes the enemy wants you to believe. But we really can't be who we're called to be, even individually, unless we're collectively connected. And we're called to be members. And I hope you'll say, I am a member. And I hope your life is lived in that way, because I need your testimony. I need your, the fruit of your life. I need your connection. I need your fellowship. I need your prayers. I need your membership. I need it in my life. My family needs it. Your family needs us to be who you're called to be. And so as we close today, I remind you of this passage in Ephesians 4, 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share, causes growth of the body, When everybody does their share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want to pray for you in closing. And on your way out the door, you're going to be handed this Bible study. If you've never taken this Bible study, I encourage you to walk through it. You can do it on your own. But here's my goal. Here's my challenge for the Calvary Church. We're not getting back together like this until July 21st. We have a revival with Vinny Azzolini from July 11th through July 14th. That's a Wednesday. July 14th is a Wednesday. So my goal is July 10th. That's the goal. Everybody say it's July 10th. I want you to teach this Bible study to at least one person who does not attend the Calvary Church and does not attend an apostolic church in the city of Cincinnati or anywhere. I want you to teach them this Bible study. And you may want to practice teaching it to your family first. Maybe your kids, even your dog or cat. Sit them down. (laughs) Your fish is swimming around, just teach it to them. They're already baptized. Just say in the name of Jesus. All right? But a piece of my vision, a piece of my vision for the Calvary Church, as long as I'm the pastor, is that we will be a body that teaches personal Bible studies. I can't 
emphasize that enough that that's in my heart, that this body would be a body that is not afraid to teach Bible studies. Will not just be a collection of people that listen to somebody else talk about the body or the Bible, but will be a collection of people who is willing to share the light, the light that God has shined on us, has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want to pray for you. God, we love you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. God, and just be challenged by your word, challenged by, God, each other and what you're doing in our lives. I pray that you would give confidence today that if you've empowered us, Lord, with your spirit, that you want to use our life in a tremendous way. I pray that you would bless everyone who's here tonight. I pray that you would just give them a fresh anointing, God, a fresh calling to make disciples, a fresh calling, God, that that they can share light with other people around them. I pray you would give us open doors. I pray in the morning, God, you would, you would let us, God, just feel that nudge of your presence while we're driving to work or we're going to school, whatever we're doing, Lord, I pray that we would feel your nudge, that there would be a conversation tomorrow. Maybe we're not going to open up the Bible and share our favorite passages, but Lord, we'll just encourage somebody. God, with our testimony. Maybe we'll just pray for somebody tomorrow. Let them know, God, that you care about them. Let our lives bring you glory every day of our lives. We thank you, God, for this body of believers. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to be members one to another. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.